The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. What do you mean? 22. 20. After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 2223. But now the question is USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Transfers. How did it get hit? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. A what? You know, portal from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. Oh, it's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They both big pencils. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back. And the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover. And we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. Settle down. Good morning. I don't know if it ever will settle down. It's a busy life, a busy time. Yeah, it is. And it's okay. It's okay. It all goes so quickly. <clears throat> and we have been celebrating. I think you used, what did you use? The It's sort of Bill Shonley Remembrance Week on this show. Is that how you put it this <laughs> morning on, the, on, your, uh, on our sister station, your I morning show? No, I made no apologies. No, of course not. And uh, I can't remember how I worded that. You, but you were visiting with uh, Dougie in yeah. your, your sports and other things segment. And we do have Kerry Eggers, Michael Thompson, and Yogi Roth today. And you Great were lineup. talking about how Yogi, and I look forward to the conversation with Yogi because we will talk Beaver football primarily. The schedule rollout that he and Ashley Adamson were part of last week. His thoughts about DJ uh, Uyunglele. Uyunglele. DJ Uyunglele. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> arguing. No, no. I I'm know. trying to commit it's it to just memory. one of those... One of those names that uh, I was going back and look, looking at and listening to some Clemson football highlights. Thinking, okay, I'll listen. And the the YouTube video that came up with about a 10-minute package of almost every one would be the play-by-play go- guy going, DJ rolls to his right. <laughs> That's not helping me any. I can do the DJ part. <clears throat> I want to hear their people say his name and just let it roll naturally and fluidly right. off their off their tongues. But then the analyst would occasionally come back in after. And when you have highlight reels, you know how that is. Highlight reels can make you, you can make yourself look very, very good. Mm-hmm. Any athlete putting out a, you know, back in the day, the huddle video or whatever else right, of, right. of their highlights. Oh my gosh. Every play you saw, oh, this guy's fantastic. <laughs> well, it's a it, compilation. It's a compilation of the highlights. Right. But watching these highlights, John, I thought, oh, wow, this guy, the big arm, strong arm, 6'4", 235. Mm-hmm. But the highlight package does reveal an immense skill set. But the analyst would come in and say, well, Uyunglele saw a lane and took it. He can run. He can throw. He's got a big-time arm. Some just brilliant passes that were just 
perfect deep balls thrown perfectly. I mean, this guy can do it all. Mm-hmm. But the, when I Googled Yogi, who will join us at twelve thirty, and and I tried to see, okay, what has Yogi said about DJ Uyunglele? And the first thing that came up, Yogi Roth, DJ Uyunglele, was Yogi doing a show with two sort of Clemson observers midway through the season or late October of this past fall. Mm-hmm. And the headline of the why Clemson needs to move on from DJ Uyunglele. Yeah. That was the headline I clicked on. I listened to seven or eight minutes of Yogi visiting with two guys I've never heard of before, mm-hmm. but they're Clemson analysts and people in both said very nice things about DJ. They, 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 everybody loves him. And uh, Dabo Sweeney, upon uh, the Orange Bowl appearance, wherever it was that uh, Clemson ended up this past mm-hmm. year, uh, going with Cade Klubnick as the starter who won the job, beat out DJ, you know, in late in the year. When Dabo was asked at a bowl press conference about DJ, Dabo was effusive in his praise about uh, the type of young man, quote, DJ's one of the greatest kids who's ever come through Clemson, a respected leader, a great ambassador for Clemson, a Clemson graduate, great things are ahead for him. That was Dabo Sweeney after DJ entered the portal. So that's kind of a universal message. Oftentimes, if if a player hits the portal or you might just say, well, you know, we've got our quarterback and we're moving on. Dabo's a good guy, a good dude, and he had high respect and praise for DJ. And I just think, I look forward to talking to Yogi about the fresh start aspect of this and coming under the tutelage of two excellent quarterback coaches in Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren. What did they claim, they being either the two guys that were with Yogi or or others, Mm -hmm. he wasn't doing well? Well, they talked about an intangible aspect, which is, which has some merit to it in terms of the team responding to Clubnet coming into the game and replacing an ineffective DJ. But one of the guys said, one of the one of the two guys, one guy said, "We got to move on and start Clubnet now," and that ended up happening. But this was on October twenty sixth. One of the other interlocutors with Yogi yeah. said, "Clemson's best pass, path forward." to a possible national championship run in the final four is DJ. He's still the better talent, the better quarterback with more experience. Their best path and opportunity is with DJ. And that was in late October of this past spring. Meaning that they thought whatever way, whatever was bothering him would come around. Exactly. And, And all of this, the backdrop for me, John, and we'll visit with Yogi at 1230 about all of these matters, including mm-hmm. I really look forward to just talking to Yogi about when asked on the schedule rollout show. Again, do you realize the enormity of what you just said? That type of thing. <laughs> Actually, that from? <laughs> that's from uh, yeah. Peter Sellers in the wrong box. Do you realize the enormity of what you no, just from said? An, that's from another one, too. It may be. <laughs> but I, when I first heard the line with Sellers, too, is uh, the, the other character in the film when Sellers looks. Gosh, you realize the enormity of what yeah, you just said. There's a more modern movie too. <laughs> now, enormity movie. has a uh, a meaning that oftentimes, you know, we talk about it in terms of size. You know, you realize the giant nature of what you just enorm enormity. Oftentimes, and in, in the original use of the word, I think, had more to do with 
that's a, a, a kind of a wicked bent. Or do you realize the, 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 that you're touching on evil with what you just said? Mm, and the, mm. You know, because the guy was asking Dr. Pratt, Peter Sellers, uh, can I get to, can I purchase from you a death certificate <laughs> so he could write out a certificate and get the will in his name because of the death that occurred earlier than somebody else or whatever. And then, so Sellers, do you realize the enormity of what you just said? Referring more to the use of the word enormity as yeah. against normative behavior and whatever else. <laughs> there's a, there's another 70s, 80s movie With that, that, line that used. has a line very much like that okay. line. Okay, yeah. I believe you. But on the scheduled rollout show on the Pac-12 Network, the very end of the show, Ashley and Yogi, they hosted the show together, Ashley Adamson and Yogi Roth. Yeah. And in the end, Ashley said, so, final thoughts on the schedule. Who has the best chance to run the table in the Pac-12 <laughs> next year? And Yogi began. His first school he mentioned was, well, you got to think Washington and then Oregon State. <laughs> and then he came to, he mentioned then next, USC, Utah, Oregon. But his first two schools, when asked by Ashley about who has a chance to run the table next year in the Pac-12, he started with Washington, then you got to think Oregon State because of the way the schedule lays out, yeah, he says. Yeah. It lay, these schedules lay out well for both. But then I just, yeah, I, I pull back with the seller. Do you realize the <laughs> yeah, enormity? That's I right. Mean, the, amazing. That we're talking here about DJ Uyunglele, who one time was the number one pro-style quarterback in the country, recruited, to, committed to Clemson, well, recruited by everybody, is now on campus going to school here, getting ready to be the Beavers' quarterback and compete for it. He'll yeah. compete with Ben Goldbranson for that job. He'll win the job, I believe, just because of, mm -hmm. of the talent level and all of that. But we'll see. But that... We're talking about a quarterback that in late October was being discussed in terms of, well, he, you know, their best chance to get to the Final Four in the CFP is with DJ kind of getting back to the... Yeah. That guy could be your quarterback with Yogi, who has no dog in the fight, per se. He's talk, He's a guy for all 12 schools. Mm -hmm. And when asked about all 12 and the schedule rollout show, he separated Washington and Oregon State above the others and then said, well, you also got to consider USC, Utah, Oregon. But he started with Washington and the Beavers. Well, well, I mean, what world are we? That's great. That's a great. Well, we we did we looked it over because it came out when you were gone, and we went over it, play a little pocket schedule fun. And you look at it and you say, really, what game on here would they not be? I asked the question: Is there any game on here where the Beavers would be more than a six-point underdog? The only one I could think of was a home game against Utah. But the more you think about it, you think, eh, probably not at that point. It's early enough that even though, they, let's say, they both come in hot, undefeated, or one loss, probably wouldn't be six or more. If they were an underdog, might be three or four. Uh, the rest of the way, the only one that anyone could really come up with was, would be maybe Oregon. But I thought, no. I mean, yes, they have a lot of guys coming back and, and everything, but, but so does Oregon State. And... Uh, the only one that was an outlier, and we thought he was trolling, but he called me later off the air and said he's not trolling, was Mike from Seattle, who's predicted 5-7. and seven. Mike from Seattle's predicting the Beavers will go 5-7? and seven? Yep, and he was predicting... Mike, uh, on what grounds? I, Goodness I, gracious. I yeah, it was something we should do on the air, but he called Who me off Who are you? Are you a contributor to D1 Baseball? <laughs> uh, we love you, Mike. 
no, I thought course. he was just trying to of poke Of course you. we do. But he, so I get that. And and my, so Mike in Seattle is providing a cautionary yes. text or call. Yeah. And I'm wondering, as we ramp up the enthusiasm and excitement for what's ahead, and we'll talk to Yogi about all of that at 1230 with Kerry Eggers at 1130, Michael Thompson at 1205. Really looking forward to the conversation with both of those fine gentlemen. It's been a long time since we've talked to Michael and Michael will talk about Bill Shonley, yes, as will Kerry. And it has been a Bill Shonley uh, tribute week. And Unapologetic. I, and no, pol- absolutely not. A man with the kind of life he lived and the arc of his life and the years as the voice of the Portland Trailblazers, 28 of those, then another 20-plus as the ambassador for our ma- our lone major league franchise, through all these decades, uh, at least in the in the traditional sense, others have kind of come in here and there, and we get that in the MLS and so on. But but from the big three, big four standpoint that we've traditionally known, mm-hmm. the Blazers have been that lone major league franchise, and Bill Shonley has been at the forefront in all of those years. So, yeah. Kerry's article was fantastic. Yes. And the book, I started to look at the book last night. It was too late to delve into it because I knew I wouldn't want to put it down. So I went to the, I didn't know how it laid out like mm-hmm. with the last four chapters or whatever. So I went to a late chapter and I don't know, I just caught on to a couple of pages worth of stories about Shanley being cheap <laughs> and all the ways that he would get out of paying for the bill. And it was just hilarious. It's funny. It no, was it's hilarious. Funny. And then I went to the beginning, I read the preface and then the forward and thought, okay, all right, all right, I got to put this down because I'll burn through this whole thing in a weekend. And won't get any sleep. No, it, exactly. And so <laughs> I did. And I, I look forward to this weekend or maybe even tonight to, because uh, to, I read it once. I, I didn't realize I had been carrying my hard copy for th- almost, well, 25 years. 1998 is when I got that book and Carrie wrote the first, mm-hmm. first version. So this second version is, uh, looks like it's fantastic. I, and, and just revisiting the old stuff is great stuff that I had forgotten about um, and just absolutely fantastic. And I know that, that Carrie has been close with Bill for years yes. because he did work with him on that first book. They became friends. And as Carrie says in the article that he wrote, you know, not best buddies or anything, certainly a lot closer than most oh, people. Yes. And uh, Carrie does such a good job of writing too. So it's a great article, carrieagers.com and, and uh, a lot of questions for Carrie when he comes on. If you have any, uh, things you'd like to contribute today open phones now in fact uh, all the way until our first break so anyone uh, we it's been a guest heavy week and today is pretty heavy too but we're open now if you'd like to join us at 497-5356 497-5356 the downward dog phone line or the university honda text line and it sounds as though as i was mentioning the mike from seattle uh text five and seven prediction on the pocket schedule. That is the other side, right? Of the, of the high enthusiasm and excitement level. I think it goes, Mike, I'll just say Mike, Mike, if you're, I think it goes too far the other way in terms of being a cautionary tale, but Maybe he isn't alone. Maybe some of you get a little nervous and want to pump the brakes a little bit. I love this team. I love the program. I love Jonathan. I love everything. I like the five-star kid. I like this. I love Trent Bray being back. It's I love it. 
But we did just go 10-3. and three. We did have a couple of games that could have gone the other way. Fresno State, Stanford, you True. know. Oregon, you had to rally from uh, 21 down late. Yeah. It could have gone. So, yes, I like everything, but, hey, let's don't get carried away with well, thinking that if okay. we don't run the table, we've had a disappointing season. I understand that. Yeah. But 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 if you're looking at what uh, what's coming back, and all, and then you you're look right. at it game by game, and you go, absolutely, they can win that game. Right. Absolutely, they can win that game. All of the way the schedule rolls out. And you look at it, 11 wins, okay, you might be getting happy there. But maybe not. Certainly 12 games, you're getting happy. You're thinking, oh, you're going to win the national championship? Right. Okay, no. But you look at it and you go, well, you take it one week at a, one, at a time. That's why I like college football. <laughs> what, what I was surprised by, a 5-7 and seven, to me is 20 years ago, a team that's not, you know, five years ago, post-Gary Gary Anderson, all of that. So if you're going to pump the brakes... On 11 Don't wins. come to an absolute stop. Don't screech and swerve and spin <laughs> right. and go over the guardrail to five and seven. Pump them down right. to like, well, this is more eight like or nine. eight or nine right. would be good. Right. Um, that's why it was surprising. We, we chatted off the, off the air on the phone. It was pretty funny. If you have any <clears> thoughts you'd like to share, we're open. Dave from Tumwater, who I don't think we've been able to talk to yet this week because of the busyness of our schedule. Right. So we look forward to that. Anybody else who would like to jump in with a text or a call, or anyone who would like to reflect relative to your own experience about the primacy of radio days and the outpouring of affection to Bill Shonley, even if you weren't necessarily a huge Blazer fan through his years, or even a huge Shonley fan per se, wherever your perspective upbringing sports world was, can you relate to, though, those that are pouring out the he- was the connection to all things Blazers and became thus a central figure yeah. to your sporting experience. Even if you plug in another name to that, there never is going to quite be that same era again when it comes to the radio voice of any team anywhere with everything on some sort of video stream. Now. The more you read, the more quotes and people who weigh in, the more I think, are we going over the top? No. He he had yes. that big of an impact. And then I think, man, how does one person have right. such an impact right. on so many And people? will it ever be qu- quite like mm, that again? In a, the sense, a, Another unique person will come along, yeah, but not right. like that. Tom Water, Dave, good morning. Thanks for the call. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Good morning, gentlemen. This isn't the reason why I dialed up originally, but it might from Seattle's defense. Mm-hmm. My countrymen up here in the great north. Uh, the last time Beaver football anticipation was this high <laughs> was this time in 2001 mm-hmm. when uh, the, the Beavs uh, coming off an 11-1 season, everyone thought they would be playing in the, cha- the national championship the following year. Cover story in Sports Illustrated in due course, and of course they ended up 5-6, and six, which may have been Mike's inspiration. But the reason why I called them is Bill Walton's <laughs> call, your, your mm-hmm. interview with him yesterday, Mike. First of all, my congratulations, because unlike the last time Bill was on, over the course of what seemed to be a 50-minute interview, you actually got to ask more than one question True. to lead him off. You got, you got two in, and that is a triple, mm-hmm. tripling of your, la- your last endeavor. So kudos to you. wasn't easy, though. But here... <laughs> Here's my point, gentlemen. Bill is, although it's easy 
and I've done it myself to make fun of him. Bill Walton is a master rhetorician. Mm-hmm. He's a, his handle, his ability to handle rhetoric. In fact, more particularly, Mike, and you've perhaps studied this, Bill is a master of a device called the Hendiatrist, which is to list three things in order to make one point. So let me just give you a couple of examples. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Wine, women, and song. <laughs> Vini, Vini, Vici. <laughs> liberty, equality, fraternity, friends, Romans, countrymen, <laughs> quoting Shakespeare. Yeah. So Bill is just a master. At the, it's also called the tricolon, tricolon, the hendiatrist. I'll just give you four examples I wrote down while I was driving the rotary among a dozen more I could have given. Hope, opportunity, and purpose. Pride, loyalty, and gratitude. Sad, sorry, and disappointed. Cold, wet, and hungry. This guy, mm-hmm. if practiced, he's, he's quite accomplished at what he does in terms of his command of the English language and rhetoric. And although, as I said at the outset, it might be easy to mock or make fun or make light of his long-wittedness, the guy is quite accomplished at what he does. That's the principal reason for my wanting to call in today. That's an excellent point, Dave, and another one, too. I quoted from it going into the conversation with Bill, if we can call it that, but going into it in the story that Carrie Eggers put together, and Carrie joins us here in a few minutes. Bill's quote in the, for, the, uh, for the article version was this, and it's, 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 a, it's another example of what you're talking about. From the beginning, Bill said, uh, Walton of Shanley, from the beginning, he made people believe that what the Blazers were doing was worth their interest, their attention, and their loyalty. That's beautifully said, Dave, don't you think? And that's an example of what you're talking about. That's exactly yeah. that. This is not an accident, gentlemen. No. This, is, this is a studied aspect of rhetoric. Uh, he's, he's just he's just a marvel at his ability to do it without missing a beat because, I mean, I would hem and haw. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people would. But uh, we thought when Paul, <laughs> my, my other countrymen in the call-in environment, called in the one time, I thought, how can I possibly outdo that? But I think I might have done it with the hendiatrist, <laughs> hendiatrist today. So Very well. uh, I, I, just, yes. I, just wa- I just wanted to get that in, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate you. We enjoy you. <laughs> we I, you know, I'm glad he made that again. call because I couldn't put my finger on what Bill's doing, knowing that he is a smart, oh, smart yes. man. Yes. But Dave hit on it. And he's he's overly dramatic, but not to the... Well, I mean, some yeah. people call him a clown, maybe because they want to watch the game and stuff. But in outside t- things like this, it's more okay, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Than to wax poetic about the Willamette when you're trying to watch a basketball game. <laughs> Even yesterday, he gave us some beautiful stuff about, you know, the Willamette Valley and right, the people right. of Oregon and all of that, but which I enjoy. Because I think it does come from a sincere place. He's looked to part of the reason. I remember when I when Bill first came on the air back in the nineties as mm-hmm. an analyst. Mm-hmm. He didn't do any of that. He actually did. I remember imitating him to the to the extent of this. I would hear. I, I interviewed Bill one time yeah. in those early years when he was just kind of jumping back in, 
Maybe that's, he was there with me from the beginning because I did interview him once <laughs> yeah. or twice in those early 90s days when he was getting into it. And he said, I asked him something about, well, the Trailblazers in their quest to try to win a championship, Bill, you know, what? what's the biggest key for them to do that? Or something, you know, innocuous yeah. like yeah. that. And the answer was something to this effect. The game of basketball is, <laughs> and I remember on the air that we would play that almost as a soundbite. Yeah. Bill, how's the weather today? Jack Ramsey used to say, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, there is an art to everything. But even then in the 90s, well, but, that, that, that he studied and he said Marty Glickman showed him, because he was a stutterer, Marty helped him, the legendary oh, broadcaster, yeah. Bill Think your answer through before you give it, and then speak one word at a time. Think of the first word, then say the second. And so Bill, in a very studied way, arrived, I think, at the way but he goes about expressing himself. His national work, though, with Jones and a few right. others, they, they wouldn't let him do what he does Not as now. much. No, that's yeah. true. The Pac-12 has given him <laughs> free reign. <laughs> Dave Pash, yeah. well, Ted Robinson does. A hey, good I job talked too. to Pash too uh, at our last game. Uh, he is going to join us at some point, and we'll talk good. to Dave about many things, including his time at Syracuse mm -hmm. and including working with Bill. But up next, a good friend, Kerry Eggers, joins us next with Michael Thompson and Yogi Roth still to come on 1240 Joe Radio. If you need a new roof, see Stutzman and Krupp Contractors. Voted by readers of the newspaper as the best roofer in the Valley for 21 and 2022 Stutzman and Krupp. They employ a large team of roofers, so they get in and get it done, often in just one day. Ask about their special winter rates. Estimates are free and there's financing available too. Give them a call or stop by their showroom on Rye Street in Albany. Stutzman and Krupp Contractors. They do it right. CCB number 96728. When you think of Albans, you think plumbing. And when you think of plumbing, you think water. Hi, this is Katie Albin. Some plumbing projects don't have anything to do with water. At Albans Plumbing, we also work with natural gas and propane lines. So if you need a gas line for home heating, cooking, or for a gas water heater, give us a call. At Albans Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albans Plumbing. Do you ever experience headaches or how about back pain? Here at Horesco Chiropractic, we truly believe that everybody deserves to live a life without pain. Our doctors will get to the root of your condition and create a custom treatment plan to help you get back to living the best version of your life. Our patients often say how amazed they feel to live a life with less pain after they have experienced how effective chiropractic care is. Start on the journey of improved health by giving us a call today or visiting our website at horesco.com. Horesco Chiropractic in Corvallis. We really can make a world of difference for you. Ensure your vehicle is ready for any road conditions at Beggs Tire and Wheel in Albany. The Beggs Philomath store has closed, but the Albany Beggs Tire and Wheel location is open to serve all of their valued Philomath area customers and the rest of the Mid-Valley. Beggs in Albany looks forward to serving you and keeping you safe on the road. Get your tires, wheels, tire services, and repairs at Beggs Tire and Wheel, the Valley's premier source for Cooper, Falcon, BF Goodrich, and Toyo brand tires on Pacific Boulevard in Albany and online at BeggsTire.com. Hey everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon, the best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. 
They offer install and delivery on the product they sell, like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to mypowerhonda.com. The author of the Bill Shonley story, Carrie Eggers, a good friend to us for many years. Oh, yeah. On and off the air. It's a pleasure to welcome Carrie Eggers to the show and what has been a several days of tributes that still barely scratch the surface of the man and his impact in his life. Carrie was very close with Bill these last couple of decades after the original mm-hmm. edition of the book. And Carrie, you've described it in your updated edition, which is available now. It, the Bill Shonley story with the addendum of the last 20 years covering his ambassadorial years with the organization. And you've be, you became friends. You said not bosom buddies. You didn't put yourself in that category, but a real close friend, Karen, you've chronicled in your last article uh, at carrieggers.com the final days with all of the visitors and the friends and the well-wishers coming beautifully. Thank you for that. Carrie, what has it meant to you to have that kind of relationship with Bill, especially these last 20 years? Well, I mean, I, again, I don't want to overemphasize how close we were. Didn't, we didn't talk every day. Right. Uh, you know, we, we got together for lunch every couple of weeks, and we talked on the phone quite a bit. Uh, I, I really like Bill. You know, I, I didn't regard him as anything above me or, or below me. We were just pals, you know, and we talked a lot. Um, so, you know, his death, uh, it's bittersweet because uh, you, you hate to lose a guy like that. But, Mike, he was not feeling very well the last couple months of his life. He was in pain, and, uh, you know, it, it was a tough tough time to see him uh, kind of wither away like that. It was, you know, it, it just it was very difficult. Yeah, Kerry, you told me before you came on with us uh, in December when you were going to have some book signings that Sean's wasn't doing so well, and, and, you know, not to say anything, which I didn't, but... I mean, you saw it back then. What was your relationship like with Bill before you, uh, uh, you know, approached him about the book deal in 98? <laughs> well, you know, I didn't cover the team until 1989. And, and uh, you know, before that, there was a year where I wrote, Mike might remember this, I wrote Off and On, I think it was a, I do. a radio, t- radio TV column. My Bob Swan was assistant editor, and he got it for me. So anyway, I would make, you know, I did, I did interviews with, you know, uh, people or, you know, broadcasters or I'd make comments. And I remember making a comment uh, about Shawley. He had all these, like, he had all these uh, grammatical errors, like he would say, but however, which is redundant, obviously. So I made fun of him on that. <laughs> and, he, and, you know, I, when we did it, the last book signing we did in December, I mentioned that. And, and uh, he, he looked at me and he just kind of shook his head. So I don't even know if he ever read it, but. We didn't, you know, I, I, I saw him at occasional games because I, I would go to Blazer games and occasionally do sidebars and that kind of stuff. But before 89, I, I didn't really know him. But then I got to know him when I covered the team. And uh, he, he just was, he, ever, he was everybody's friend. And in some cases, everybody's foil. And in the book, you, you read it, there's a whole chapter. I was just reading it the other day and just my eyes were watering, laughing. 
uh, about Dave Twardzik and Ron Culp and Jack Ramsey, the, the pranks they pulled upon, pulled on him in, in good, good faith. And he, and he took it in, in, in good stead too, but <laughs> there's a lot of funny stories that I love about him. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I just, last night, I just wanted to look and see what, what may have changed, whatever. I just opened it to the back and started in on stories of how he was so frugal and, and cheap and that the guys <laughs> oh, yeah. would, that's the other part. Great, really funny. great yeah. stories. I love that fact about him. It's so funny. And, uh, and, and then of course I went to the beginning and wrote the, read the uh, preface and the forward before putting it down. But, um, what did you think of him though? I mean, you didn't know him that well, but you're a, you're a writer in the Portland area and you're covering the blazes or at least you're watching them while covering every, everything else. I mean, did he have the effect on you that he did on uh, pretty much the rest of the city? Well, he's roughly, uh, uh, you know, the age of my dad. So he's, you know, we weren't uh, of the same generation, but I, I thought he was a, I thought he had the one thing I liked about Sean's was he had a great sense of humor, kind of dry, and he just to hear him chuckle would make me feel good. You know, he'd say something and he'd laugh, and uh, so before before I really knew him, I didn't I didn't idolize him or anything, John. I I, I know you kind of did, and yeah. it's interesting to me how many people uh, I've, have sent me emails and or on Facebook or whatever about how he got them interested, how he inspired them to get into to broadcasting. Neil Everett is one of them. And the ESPN, uh, you know, yeah. growing up in in Oregon and, and North and Southwest, I guess he grew, grew up in Southwest Washington for a while, and he he uh, idolized Sean. So I just thought he was a good guy and and fun to be around. Kerry Eggers joining us, the Bill Shonley story. Wherever you may be now, Kerry, your journalistic instincts both to approach him the first time to write the book. I'm interested to know sort of the genesis of both versions. You, you, when you wrote the first one and then the updated version, which is available now and, and really wonderful material, how did you kind of get to, to both books? Uh, give us, I guess, a little bit of background on that. My first book, I don't really remember. I mean, we were just talking, I think we had lunch, and I said, hey, would you be interested in doing a book? And about a week later, he said, yeah. And so the second one, uh, okay, so... When we wrote that first one, we wrote a pretty good first chapter describing exactly what happened to him, uh, you know, getting, um, you know, boost, booted from the play-by-play booth. And I didn't realize that, you know, the, the Blazers had, you know, they, they were still paying him. And they had, uh, you know, I guess they, they were able to go through the book. And that first chapter got totally ripped up. And I was mad. He was mad. But there was nothing we could do about it unless he wanted to quit the Blazers, which he did about two years later. Um, so fast forward to 2022 and, and we were talking and I said, you know, it'd be great to update. We, we've got 23 years there of what you did between, you know, when you were let go and, and now would you be interested in doing it? He said, sure. So he came over on, he drove into his, his, uh, his big red, well, I can't remember. I think it was an old, uh, over to my house on, on a June day. And we sat for all afternoon and, and that was enough. And then I talked to people, I thought it was important you guys to talk to Aaron Hubert and Sarah Mensa, and they were great sources. I know you had Aaron on yesterday. I listened to part of it, uh, and you know they, they told the true story, and that was that was made me feel good. Uh, Sean's liked the book. His wife liked the second part of the book, and that made me feel good too. Kerry, what about these final days? Your your story. It's it, it almost seemed like when you're quoting Bill Bill Walton, who we had on yesterday, but. Bill coming to play the song, I'll Remember You, written by Bob Dylan. I mean, were you 
Were you present for these last? Uh, did you see this train of people coming in and out, or at least for part of it? Were you present? Not at all. No, I, there was one day when uh, there was a few people there at the same time as me, but uh, the days that I came over, it was Sherry Hansen, who you know, and myself, and and that was about it. So no, I didn't see him come in. You know, we learned yesterday, Carrie, and I I was not shocked because you can not know something, but kind of not be surprised when you learn it that it was really Paul Allen that just he just didn't get it. He didn't get it and ultimately wanted to make the change. And while that was never made official anywhere, it was kind of openly talked about like, well, you know, Paul Allen, maybe not, you know, and, and then at the same time he had a, you know, the hitman and Harry Hutt. Do you remember that time period? And is that what you discussed that didn't make it into that first chapter? Because even though I knew that and just hearing it made me mad. It made me like, how, how yeah. can an entire state feel one way and one person just doesn't get it? One of the problems was that he and Burt Cole lived in Seattle and they weren't around. They didn't realize what a celebrity, what an icon, even at that point, Bill Shonley was. Um, I, the story was told to me by Marshall Glickman and I think J.R. Hellman that, um, that, uh, that Alan would listen to, he would watch the broadcast and listen to Shonley. And he came across the opinion that he was late on the action, which I'm not sure is true. But, uh, you know, like Marshall said, so what? If you're listening to the game, you don't know anyway. Uh, right, right. At least he gets to everything. And he had such a great, you know, mulatoist. Mo, mo, is that the right word? Just a real flow the way he, he went through his broadcast. But anyway, uh, Bert and, and Paul did not like that. Uh, John, he, when John Spolster was the general manager, they tried to get him to, to uh, fire Sean's. He wouldn't do it. Marshall wouldn't do it. Then Bob Whitsett and uh, and Harry Hutt came in, and they did do it. But they were just the hitmen, as you said, um, Mike and or John. And and the problem, you know, one thing that I, I kind of felt bad with Sean, he never really came to grips with that. He couldn't. He didn't think it was Paul Allen. He thought it was Harry Hutt's decision. Well, it wasn't, and um, that that made him. I'm sure that made him feel bad. But I don't think he ever really understood that it was Paul. Carrie Eggers with us for a few more minutes. Carrie, we have uh, we have been paying tribute to the great Bill Shonley here. You are so involved in so many things in your website. Uh, the, in fact, the last time I saw you in connection it w- was just a week ago. You were giving me copies, and I gave one to John that you were kind enough to inscribe that Bill signed the Bill Shonley story wherever you may be now. I, <laughs> I hate to put it in these kind of crass terms, but... Does the book get an upsurge? I mean, are people interested in talking to you because of your relationship with Bill? And do you see, I mean, more people want to get their hands on the book now. Yeah, you know, yeah, we had, gosh, we had about 60 orders yesterday. So, uh, yeah, it it did inspire some people to want to read about Bill. And as far as talking to me, you know, yeah, I I was on all four of the the Portland networks, TV networks on Saturday. But, you know, I... Yeah, I feel kind of, you know, that, hey, this is about Bill, and it was it was great to talk about him, but, you know, not like I'm an expert. I don't consider myself an expert on him, so I just was a friend. Well, I appreciate it, too, in the article, just, just learning of some things like Darnell Valentine still lives in the Portland area, uh, you know, that uh, Bobby Gross is still around, and some of these guys are... That, that spent some time with him, Chris Dudley's in band. I, I mean, I, didn't, I learned that from the article, so that was great, too. I got a call this morning from Danny Ainge, who I'd reached out to, and he said, hey, Kerry, sorry, I forgot. I was going to call you back, and I didn't. So we talked for about 10 minutes about, you know, him just when he was a kid in Eugene, listening to him, 
uh, on the radio. And then he said those two years when I was in Portland were just great because I, him and I got to talk about, you know, when he was doing the games and I was listening and we had a great relationship. So sorry that Danny wasn't able to have his thoughts on that story. Well, uh, I hope it'll make an appearance in another uh, column, a uh, story or column that you will write. I want to ask you a little bit about when I saw you, you were coming away from a conversation with coach Tinkle and the three exciting freshmen for Wayne and the Oregon state men's basketball team. But one thought about Ainge, I think his story Carrie, from what I hear in terms of any young person growing up in that era when the Shans was in his prime and getting rolling, that Danny Ainge, Robbie Kloss told me yesterday that he used to be listening to the games and Sean saying you've got to make your free throws made him work harder on free throws. <laughs> that you know, I think there's <laughs> a lot of a lot of stories, and Robbie holds the all-time record for free throw percentage at Oregon, by the way, but but did you kind of get that sense, too, that the Neil Everett and Ainge and Robbie Kloss, I mean, part of their youth and thus really precious, Bill was precious in that way to so many. Yes, and not just people we've heard of, but people we haven't heard of. That You know, there were some people who had started my broadcasting career because of Sean's, and I'd never heard of them, you know. But whatever radio station or TV station they were at, they were inspired by the Sean's. Yeah. Hey, Kerry, what, how close was Sean's? When would you say that... Uh, the love affair and the knowledge of the greatness and everything from players ended, if it ever did. They they talked a little bit about Damian Lillard being pretty close with him. Sean Lee was telling him his story about inventing or coming up with Rip City and really having to sell it, which was funny in your book, too, <laughs> about him. And No, no, really, that was me. That was me. Um, did did modern-day players, going back a few years, kind of realize Sean Lee was greater? Is He's just too old and not in a position to to do much by then. I don't know. Yeah, once once he had got out of the play-by-play situation, there were, he didn't really have relationships with most of the players. However, he did with with Damian, and he would he he had kind of a ritual. He'd go to most of the home games and do his thing before the game, you know, going up to the suites and talking to you know season ticket holders and suite holders, and then he would go down to uh, uh, the uh, what's it called, the Shawnee Tap Room. Uh, and go and have a glass of Chardonnay and meet with some people, take pictures. And then just a few minutes before the game, he would go down. He'd always kind of go over and talk to Damien, and they'd shake hands or something and talk a little bit. And then his other ritual was he would always give a hug to Terry Stotts moments before the game. So mm-hmm. uh, Terry, was that, Terry, that meant a lot to Terry. Terry sent me a text uh, a couple of days ago and said, I was so glad that you were able to get that last part of the book in. Kerry, you do such a thorough uh, job. We've loved you for decades. I mean, you're writing, and I know I, I hope you feel that. I, I know you don't write from the standpoint of, well, I'm really going to ingratiate myself with Beaver Nation with this article. But I do hope, Kerry, that you've sensed the appreciation that Beaver fans have had for your work, including your latest on the freshman, which we'll get to. But what about that, Kerry? Writers, you know, Sean's created created a persona a caricature larger than life and was beloved in yep. your in your world the, you, 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 as newspaper people newspaper guys and journalists yourself dwight and others you're not you you don't necessarily cultivate the public per se but i'm sure you do appreciate it from time to time when if you were ever out with bill and everybody's flocking to bill you must have heard occasionally from carrie i've been reading you for years and i like you that does make you feel good i hope it does, and and you do get those uh, sometimes. You have to kind of be, have thick skin because there's going to people be people on Twitter or 
or even on Facebook, they're going to rip you. But that that's just part of the ball game. And I've been very fortunate to have people say kind words, including yours, and I appreciate that, Mike. Kerry, what about the latest piece you did on Wayne and what you found in coming down, as you always do, to try to get the story from the people firsthand, the players, Wayne himself, about where kind of, you know, Wayne is and trying to get the Beavers back on the proper path. He needs a big guy, and you know that better than anybody, and they're, they're just getting hammered inside, and they're going to play a guy tomorrow night that's a big, good, big guy against Utah. So, uh, yeah, he needs to – and the problem is, Mike, is that he's this is pretty much going to be his team next year. He's got two scholarships and two – I think – is there a JC and a freshman you know better than me coming in? Yes. I, I think that's what it is. So, so he may get a little immediate help, but he, they're just getting hammered inside. He really likes it. He really likes this team. I mean, he says they're very coachable. The freshmen are come come along. Look at how good Pope has become, and and I think Billado and Retai will be good players, and maybe one or two of those others. So, if you can, if you if, if all these guys come back, and in the world of NIL, we don't know. Uh, I think they can be a pretty decent team next year. Kerry, it is great talking to you. Thanks for making time for us. Uh, we always appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you on our cross pass again. Thanks for the books. Thanks for all the great work you've done on Bill. Uh, and Bill Walton talked about the masterful job you did and pulling it all together. <laughs> I think you can almost understand. You could probably hear Walton himself saying that. But he, I just want you to know, if you didn't hear him, he really appreciated the article that you I'm wrote. I'm there were a lot of commas and not very many pe- periods in it. <laughs> there was a lot, a lot. Hey, real quick <laughs> question. I noticed on your website you have a, uh, a podcast with Bill from 2020. Is that, was, was that good, long conversation with him? You know, that's, that's it. I saw that, and I haven't listened to that. I can't even remember what we talked about. But, yeah, I, I, I did. That was one of the last ones I did before good. I left the trip. Yeah, I'll check it out. Thanks a lot, Kerry. Good talking Thank to you. Thank you, guys. Kerry, really appreciate it. Kerry Eggers, our guest, kerryeggers.com, for all of the excellent content from a guy that writes objectively about yeah. the Beavers and about Oregon and the Pilots and the Vikings he, and everything. But even, you always feel like there's a little well love he's a uh, out of his alma mater. His yeah. dad worked here forever and was he's a legendary a SID, yeah. and he yeah. is a Beaver. And I just his work on the Beavers has been exemplary. Through it has, years. but he won't. He talks objectively, too. Oh, I know. I mean, you don't get the stuff on the air and then something different off the air. No. He is the same. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's beautiful. It's he great. wrote, uh, he referenced an obscure column that no one remember. Well, what was it called? Let's see, three or four people remember. Three? <laughs> three, yeah, four, four. Where Where was it? Off and On was the name of the column. Jeff Baker. I saw Dwight James Baker. Kerry, Buker, maybe. The writers would all take a hand at a media column in the Oregonian where they would be sort of local Rudy Martskis. You know, I don't remember that. I do. And I would because I used to scour the paper. No, every you'd day. remember it and you probably <laughs> read it. And they would occasionally venture into, as Kerry just said, yeah. the grammatical errors of <laughs> Bill Shonley. <laughs> I. I I have a feeling the Shans, if he read it, I'm surprised. I mean, he must not have gone up a la Al Michaels to Rudy Marsky. Rudy, <laughs> what you said about me. Now, here's the reason that I said that one idea. You know, I mean, Marsky claimed that Michaels was as sensitive as anybody, yeah. any kind of critique or criticism. And I, it, but occasionally those off and on columnists yeah. in the Oregonian, and I read quite a few of them, uh, working as I did, kind of, you know, they'd all take their hand in it. 
And I think I made it once or twice, but usually more just a, yeah. you know, Mike Parker signed to be the voice of the Portland sure. Beavers or whatever. Nothing like, and Parker then dropped in a reference <laughs> about W.C. Fields again. You know, nothing. I mean, it wasn't, I, I don't think I was ever worthy of a subject I like of criticism of it, or praise one way or the yeah. other. But I like the fact there was a local media. And, and to that, too, just uh, as a side note to that, the only grammatical thing that I can think of that bothered me from most broadcasters that I learned once because someone else pointed it out that I go forward thinking, I don't like that. Don't do that. And I've had conversations with other broadcasters and they look at me like, no, there's, that's not, that's okay. Is left to go. It's either there's 242 left in the first quarter oh, or there's 242 to go in the first quarter. Left to go. Yeah. Okay. But left to go is redundant. And, and every time someone, anytime ever since someone pointed that out to me, I thought, oh, that's right. And I try never to, I, I don't do it. The only one that Sean's that I used to, it would, it would, that Bill said, I, ne- I don't remember the, but however, or yeah. whatever, but I like to cursey going to drive. Well, I assume that he's seen Kersey driving. It's not like Jerome's got the ball at the wing and is thinking about driving, and I bet he's going to drive. Kersey going to drive. Yep, there right. he goes. Kersey going to drive was meaning that he was in the process of driving. Right, yeah, but the drama. See, <laughs> yeah, the drama Kersey brings gonna in drive. the going to drive. Yeah, exactly. If it was just straight up, well, Kersey drives down the lane right. instead of going to drive. Yeah, I, I shared with John Canzano yesterday. On He had me on his show and I shared with him, even the, the little thing, we're going to have Mikey retire as a podcast guest this week. We talked to him later today, in fact. But I, I'll, Jordan Pope over to the right wing to Mikey retire, looks into the low post. That's how I'll call a play. Yeah. But oftentimes the Sean's, Harry Porter over to Jerome Kersey on the guard forward exchange. Oh, the guard forward <laughs> the exchange. The guard forward exchange. A little, yes. a little saying, not as famous as Rip City or looking oh, at Brendan. No, there was a lot of the golden ladder. But that's a nice one. The guard, the guard forward, forward Here's exchange. another one that I never, I never heard. And I actually used it because I didn't think it was something that he could, it could only be his. <laughs> right. And that was the dotted line. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about the dotted line. The lower line. portion yeah. of the circle around the that's key right. is a hash mark. And it still is in Portland, by the way. A lot of them are colored in and stuff. <laughs> But it still is a hash mark line, and it's it was perfect. It was from the perfect. dotted line, right? Landed, you know. The other day, they were all coming to me during the game Sunday in Berkeley. The land it gets a rebound in the land of giants. <laughs> yeah. you know, if a little guard went up to secure a board, all oh, of yeah. that climbs a golden ladder. I forgot about golden. Beautiful. Ladder. Let's take a final break and wrap up this hour. We've got Michael Thompson next hour, along with Yogi Roth on twelve forty Joe Radio. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that the one you care about is expecting a thoughtful gift this Valentine's Day and they're ready to help safely deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Valentine's Day flower arrangements and they'll deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time so you can show them just how special you'd like them to feel this February 14th. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of holiday arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 North West 9th in Corvallis. 
When a restaurant has been around for as long as Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill, it says a lot. It says the food is good, and that's a fun place to go. At Tommy's, they serve breakfast anytime, plus lunch and dinner seven days a week. There's a lounge with a full bar, pool tables, and all your favorite Oregon lottery games. Ask about Tommy's famous Beaver Buster breakfast. If you can eat it all in an hour, it's free. And for special events, Tommy's has a large banquet room downstairs. For good food and fun times, stop by Tommy's 4th Street Bar and Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Equipped from front to rear with industry-leading, easy-to-use features, Kubota B-Series tractors are the total package. With high horsepower and excellent durability and implements that easily attach and detach, Kubota B-Series tractors can do anything in any season. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for more information. Ben Benton Tractor, we're still doing business the American way. If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go Beavs. Rips the twine. I remember that yeah. very early. Because we would call Sean Lee-isms while we were playing basketball. Yeah, and, and one of the things, too, that, that hasn't come up that I'm just now remembering, splat. Yeah. Yes. Remember splat, the, it's the sound. That was a late Kelvin edition. Ramsey. That yeah. was a Ramsey-era type of play. Yeah, that splat. one came a little bit later. Splat. It's there. Right. Nice. The sound of the ball going Rips through the net. the twine from 25 feet. Beautiful. Uh, there'll never be anybody. The old Cyclops yeah, at midcourt. Right. People don't do that. Anymore. Wheels was pretty good. Wheels, Wheels, had, was, Wheels had a stock. He did. Wheels actually uh, did was different than the average. Michael Thompson will join us. We will talk with Michael about some other things, including Michael Jordan idolizing he, Michael Thompson, as a child. That's coming okay, up. Please. Here's the microphone. This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your money now. Volvo is frequently considered a very safe vehicle, but it has just announced a recall of certain 2023 model cars because of a potential issue with software within the brake control module. About a quarter of them in the U.S. with the vehicles including... XC40, C40, S60, V60, V60 cross-country, V90, and V90 cross-country models. More than 3,000 Amazon employees in Washington, New York, and California have been notified that they are losing their jobs as part of that second big wave of the company's mass layoffs. Filings in California showed that the cuts affected software engineers, program managers, research scientists, supplied scientists, recruiters, and more. U.S. stocks are slightly lower today. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 46 points. The S&P 500 down about 10. The Nasdaq Composite lower by 47. U.S. oil futures finished little changed today. That's your money now. At Total Wine & More, save big on what you love this month with hundreds of deals. Get up to 35% off over 100 different wines and spirits, including Cabernet, Sparkling Wine, Single Barrel Bourbon, and so much more. These savings are huge, and even better, they're on top of prices that are already the lowest in town. Deals this good don't last long, so visit Total Wine & More to find yours. Love what you find at the lowest price, only at Total Wine & More. 
Drink responsibly. B21. They say they'll get your biggest tax refund. Jackson Hewitt says your biggest tax refund guaranteed and a chance to double your tax refund. Thousands in weekly prizes during the Double Your Refund sweepstakes. Your biggest refund times two, twice the money. So forget about them. File your taxes on the double at Jackson Hewitt today. No purchase necessary to enter or win. Open to U.S. residents 18 or older who file a 2022 federal tax return. Promotion ends 4 Visit Jackson Hewitt. University Hero and 5th Street Growler. Fresh subs, craft brews, and the beeves. Where in Corvallis can you watch the beavers on TV? Enjoy your favorite sub sandwich while drinking a cold craft beer or sipping on a glass of wine. University Hero and 5th Street Growlers, that's where. It's a great combination. Stop by on 5th Street, downtown Corvallis. University Hero and 5th Street Growler. Fresh subs, craft brews, and the beeves. Have you been putting off that home remodeling project? Have you decided that this is the year to get it done? For nearly 35 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, window coverings, and wood and luxury vinyl flooring from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or at CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. I'm Dennis Silvers, a golf guru, with another golf minute to help you step up your game. I think that the majority of swing errors common to most golfers begins with the setup. The following drill is a very reliable way to step into your shot correctly every time. Using whatever club, say a 5-iron, aim the club face at the target, then step in with your right foot pointing behind the ball. This is a tip-off that you are starting to position the ball in your stance. With your right foot in place, step in with your left. Just position it relative to where you want to play the ball. If you have a 5-iron, the ball should be about 4 inches inside your left heel. Then step out with your right foot, widening your stance until comfortable. With your stance and ball position set, take a final look at your target, then return your eyes to the ball and fire. So remember, learn to step into the shot the right way and your swing will take care of itself. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. They say they'll get your biggest tax refund. Jackson Hewitt says your biggest tax refund guaranteed and a chance to double your tax refund. Thousands in weekly prizes during the Double Your Refund sweepstakes. Your biggest refund times two, twice the money. So forget about them. File your taxes on the double at Jackson Hewitt today. No purchase necessary to enter or win. Open to U.S. residents 18 or older who file a 2022 federal tax return. Promotion ends 4 Visit jacksonhewitt.com for rules. What's for dinner? Burgers? After last week? No thanks. Avoiding foods due to fear of diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or loose oily stools? It may not be just stomach issues. It could be EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. EPI can cause uncomfortable symptoms because it's a condition where the pancreas doesn't release enough digestive enzymes to break down food. But EPI can be managed. Use the symptom checker on identifyepi.com and talk to your doctor about your symptoms. That's identifyepi.com. Sponsored by Abby. They're coming from everywhere. He's a big, great deal of traffic here for country road and sink. Corvallis, Oregon. To see the total eclipse of the sun. I'm talking about the sky, McIntyre. 
Mike McIntyre and the Buffaloes are coming, amongst many others. He's a big, great new traffic here for Country Road, it sinks. Sight worth seeing. I know how you must feel. Yes, but not everyone's on board. And look at that sky. You look at it. But for everyone else, excitement is sky high for life in Corvallis. The is amazing. There seems to be a lot happening in it all the time. If it's happening, you'll hear about it on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm expecting something special from there. Keep your eyes skinned. I want reports. Oh, you'll get reports all right. The best reports on the Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. <laughs> And away we go with the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. We head into the second hour, uh, the open from 2017 and the eclipse. And so we we still have, uh, with each open, try to get, uh, uh, convey a sense of history in the moment. But how did, sometimes you'll choose a, a year oh. open for the guest work. I'm not sure why. On. I'm not sure why 2017 came up, but I do know that our next guest is very special person uh, to me and to so many I know for uh, Blazer fans, for Laker fans, help them win back-to-back championships. He has been championing the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on Twitter that there's, hey, there's no question, Kareem is the greatest of all time. Forget everybody else. Oh. Will, Michael, and, uh, okay. you know. So we're going to talk about that amongst other things. Hard to but, argue. But this week has been all about paying tribute to the great Bill Shonley I have never actually spoken with Michael Thompson, a former number one pick by the Blazers and a great run with the Blazers and the aforementioned championships with the Lakers. So as we welcome in Michael Thompson, our paths crossed together in sports talk radio in the 90s in Portland. It's a pleasure to welcome the Lakers radio analyst now to the Joe Beaver Show. Michael, thanks for making time for us. I I've never asked you, I don't think, specifically about your relationship with the Shans, but I imagine you appreciated him and and have a sense of what a great loss it is that Bill Shanley's no longer with us. What are your thoughts about Bill, Michael? And thanks for coming on with us. Well, I have so many thoughts. Good to hear from you, Mike, and talk to all those great Oregonians up there. Every day I miss Oregon. It's still the most beautiful state I've ever lived in, the most beautiful part of the country, the Pacific Northwest. I tell people that. Wherever I go around this country, especially down here in California, those who never visit the Pacific Northwest don't understand it. They think all it does up there is rain. I said, yes, it does. But that's why everything's so green and fresh and beautiful up there. They have all those beautiful rivers and lakes and all that clean air. That's what makes it such a, the most beautiful part of America. But Deshaun's, he was part of that. He was Mr. Oregon. He was Mr. Portland. Uh, Bill Orm, the other day, we were talking about Sean's when I was up there for the Laker game. And he made a great point. And, and you almost have to agree with it. Bill Shonley. Might have been the most popular, if not Oregonian, the most popular per- person in Portland ever. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever had a bad word to say about him. I don't care what your political beliefs were, what your sexual orientations were, what your gender was or is. Uh, everybody loved the Shans. He was <laughs> he was uh, whipped to, to Oregon with Vince Scully was to the Dodgers and Chick Hearn was to the Lakers. That's the same type of uh, stature he carried up in Oregon with the Trailblazers. He was Mr. Portland. He was Mr. Blazer. All, all of us players, we've all come and we've all gone. We've all came and went. But Bill Shawnee was the one constant. Even though he wasn't on the air every day uh, or every game, he was still there in, in his presence as an ambassador of the Blazers, an ambassador to Oregon. And uh, so he, he will definitely be missed and he'll forever be loved and, and respected. Michael, what do, what do you remember about 
about him. I heard he, uh, that he was the butt of jokes. Jack Ramsey and others liked to have some fun with him with practical jokes and so on. You traveled together in those days on commercial flights. Do you remember any aspects of that kind of thing with the Shans? No, we didn't joke around. I mean, we all joked around just talking, but uh, he was like our godfather. You know, we we all had fathers, our parents or whatever, but we all had coaches. But we always could talk to him if something was going on with the team or he would always ask us how things were going in our personal life if you want to talk about it. So he was so approachable and so caring to, towards everybody. He took time for everybody, not just Blazers players, but for fans too. Probably the most approachable Blazer in history where he would talk to anyone, welcome anyone to come up and say hello to him. So just the fact to be around him, being around his presence, he was such a nice man. Nice to always. I'd never seen Sean upset, other than the Blazers losing, of course, but he was always in a good mood when you're around him. Always had a smile for you and a welcoming hug or a strong handshake. So he was just a good person to be around. Michael, this is John here with Mike. Do you ever recall, because, you know, sometimes, play, well, a lot of times, players can, you know, be full of themselves. They're making millions. They're the star and all of that. Was there ever a time when you'd be with Sean's and the and he would get all the attention in a in a hotel lobby or in an airport and you 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 players are going around going whoa what's with this guy? Oh yeah, no question about it. Back in those days, we traveled commercial. We went on charter flights. We went to Portland Airport just like everybody else. And of course, people would notice us first because we're tall, big human beings. But as soon as they saw the Sean's or heard his voice, they all gravitated towards him and wanted to say hello to him, take pictures with him. And, uh, you know, he turned no one down, and he was friendly, took time for everybody. But, yeah, he was as popular as a Bill Walton or a Clyde Drexler or even a Daniel Lillard up there. You know, the, most, the greatest players the Blazers have ever had. Sean's not even be more popular than those guys. Hmm. Michael Thompson joining us. Michael, you mentioned Chick Hearn, and you were with the Lakers in, in glory days and Chick's prime. Chick had that effect, too, didn't he, on people who loved him? Oh, yeah, Chick was just like that. I mean, the Lakers, everybody knows the Lakers, historic players they had. But when it came to the Lakers, Chick was that one constant, just like uh, Sean, there for 40, 50 years, no matter who, who played here, who left, and who came back, whether it was Kobe or, or, or Kareem, Magic, you know, all the greats, LeBron, uh, Chick Hearn was that guy, the voice of the Lakers, the face of the Lakers, even though we had a great owner, Dr. Buck, and historic players, uh, all the fans loved Chick because they would always hear his voice. He was the one who made that connection uh, between the players and the public. And Sean's was exactly the same way for the Blazers. Michael, how different is the era in a sense? I mean, Chick was the voice and did the simulcasts, as you know, and, and the radio when radio was king. How different is it now, in your estimation, even in the Sean's era with Portland and Chicky uh, with the Lakers in terms of the identification of a voice with a team? I think it still resonates. Um, obviously, it all depends on how long, how many years you have with a franchise. Like uh, Al McCoy in Phoenix, obviously he still carries that kind of stature with the Suns fan. He's been there forever, for 40, 50 years. So he's in that category, too, with the Shans and Chick Hearn and people like that. So, But, you know, guys like Kevin Calabro, Kevin Calabro stays there for another 30 years. Nobody will ever replace the Shans, but he'll be he'll, – Kevin Calabro is already becoming the voice of the Blazers, and the Blazers have one of the greatest a Hall of Famer in Kevin Calabro, one of the best who's ever done it. Uh, but just like um, whoever comes along after Chick, whoever comes along after Vince Scully, whoever comes along after Al McCoy in Phoenix, uh, a, a guy like Sean and those kind of people will never be replaced. 
Michael, you were always in your days with the Blazers, and I wonder with the Lakers too, a go-to guy for, for humor, for quotes, for anecdotes. Did you interact with Chick much? Did you get a little bit of a start in any way in thinking, hey, when my playing days are over, uh, that you would like to get into the business and make the have the kind of successful career you've had? Of course, being around guys like Sean, being around guys like Chick, Stu Lance now, who's still with the Lakers after being there for 40 years, still uh, the face of the Lakers, the Lakers when it comes to television commentary. Yeah, when you be around those kind of guys, you see how much fun they have doing the job. And now, let's put it, let's let's uh, let's uh, put it uh, in perspective how easy it is if you're having a good time. I mean, you got to work, but it's kind of easy to get call a game and get paid for it. It's a lot of fun. And because uh, the players are so entertaining, the game is so entertaining. But yeah, those guys do rub off on you. Says, man, I like to get in this all in this kind of business. Too. I like to be the next Mike Parker. You know why not? It's a lot of fun. <laughs> It is fun, Michael. Uh, yes, Thank you. That, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Michael, I remember as a kid watching you play and, and, and seeing you out and about in the, in the community and, and before you were ever on the radio and, and, and being known as a real friendly, funny, funny, but approachable guy. Did you just always have that attitude and take that? And did you tell your kids who were in pro sports, hey, don't, don't take yourself so seriously? Exactly. Some of these players today drive me crazy. You know, and because now there's so much, so many more platforms now because of social media. So there's so much more media access to the players, and so many uh, people are coming in now with different streaming live services or whatever now in, in, in the media scrum. But that's part of your job as a player. You know, if you don't want to talk to the media after a win or a loss, you know, then don't get involved in the sport. I understand we're human. We can be grumpy. We're playing bad. We're in a bad mood because we just lost a game and. You, you had a bad game, and so you're not in a good mood. I understand, but the, the media has a job to do also. Um, so when they are sitting in there praising you for playing great and being a great player, and you're willing to accept that and take that praise, when you, when things are going against you, you got to be man enough, professionally enough to say, okay, i got to sit here and take it. They're going to criticize me. That's part of my job. And I have to understand that we have a thick skin. And enjoy this. This doesn't last forever. You're going to be a young man when you have to give this up. And maybe you'll miss the attention when it's gone. But while you're in it, enjoy it. And realize that the media has a job to do, too. No matter how many times they irritate you or you don't feel like answering the question, they have a job to do, too. So respect that and sit there like a man or a woman and take it. So when you're calling games and you're analyzing some Laker games on the radio, do you ever have to go after Clay and say, well, he didn't do this or he didn't do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Clay's not immune. He's a player, too. And he's missing shots or he's committing silly fouls or committed a silly turnover, I'll say it. Of course, I, still, I don't want to kill a guy, and I never <laughs> try to kill a guy because I know right. they're trying to do their best. And I, I never criticize a player. The only time I would ever criticize a player is if he's not playing hard, if he's just being lazy. And you really don't see that in the NBA. Guys may not play well, but they're trying their best. They're just having an off night. Like the other night, Damian Lillard, great as he is, he had a bad night for the Lake, for the Lake, for the Blazers because he just didn't shoot the ball like you know Damian Lillard can, but he was still out there hustling and trying. So you don't rip a guy for that. You just have to say, well, he just didn't have his best game, and that's just part of uh, being a pro. A few more minutes with Michael Thompson. How is Clay feeling this year in terms of coming back physically, of knee, Achilles? Is he active again? I, I haven't been following closely enough, Michael. How is Clay right now physically? Oh, he's feeling great physically. You know, he had a bad game the other night against uh, the Mets, and he shot 4-17. But up until that point, man, for the last month, he's been averaging around 28 a game and shooting at a high percentage of efficient clip. So he looks like he's on the way back, and he has said that he feels like his legs are finally under him again. And everybody who's had those injuries, 
because it takes a good 18 months, almost two years, to really feel like yourself again. And he feels like he's ahead of schedule. I tell you, these doctors and these physical therapists are beyond anything that we ever had to deal with. So he had the best of uh, medical attention over the last few years. And, of course, a lot of prayers went up, to, went up to heaven for him, went up to God for him. And I believe I have a lot to do with his recovery. I'm glad to hear that, Michael. Trace, is he getting ready to go to spring training with the Dodgers? Is he on the 40-man? What, what's Trace's uh, situation right now? Um, and he kidding me? He's the starting center fielder going into uh, spring training. Excellent. So the job is his. Cody Bellinger is now gone, so he's going to go in there as number one on depth chart. Uh, thirty-two years of age, but uh, Trace is a young thirty-two. Uh, he's, he's he's a rock. He's got a body like he's he, he built like LeBron, but he plays center field. That's how he, that's how Trey is. He's not as tall as LeBron, but man, he is six foot three, six four, two hundred twenty pounds, and it's all muscle, and he can run and hits for power. So the job is his to lose this year. Uh, so he's got to go out there in spring training and show Dave Roberts that he can be consistent at the plate, and I think he will. Was baseball his first love? I mean, how did he get to that? Did you ever try your hand at that, Michael? I mean, he's excelled at baseball. How did that come about? Always, always. Since he was five years old, Mike. I know baseball, your, your first love. I remember all those stories you could tell <laughs> back there on the fan. And he's uh, uh, waxing the stars about all your Vince Scully stories and your baseball stories. Trace was just like you. He's a baseball savant, baseball addict. And ever since he was five years old in T-ball, he's uh, been obsessed with baseball. Ken Griffey was his guy. My boys grew up idolizing Kobe Bryant. And uh, Michael grew up, my oldest, idolizing Randy Moss. Uh, but uh, for Trace, it was, it was Ken Griffey. And he just he, he, he isn't left-handed like Griffey, but he just wanted to be a center fielder like Ken Griffey ever since he was five years old. Michael, if you go to a Dodger game or or anything like that, are you going as Michael Thompson, the basketball player, or Trace's dad, or are you going as a local media guy? And and can you get into the clubhouse and be somewhere where most people aren't? You know, I could get into the clubhouse, but I wouldn't dare do that. Trace would look at me like, "What the heck are you doing here?" Get out of here! You know, he's kind of embarrassing, like like a stage father yeah. hanging around. So no, I don't want to do that and embarrass him. I know. Uh, he how to keep my space from doing that. That's his space. He's a grown man. He don't need me down there cheering him on like he's in junior high or something like that. He's in club <laughs> baseball. So he's a 32-year-old vet now, so I don't want to be invading his space like that. But, yeah, I go just as a father. When I'm walking around Dodger Stadium, everybody recognizes me because I'm so tall walking around the concession areas and people recognize, oh, that's Michael Thompson, you know, Laker and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, traces that, plays that. So people always want to come up and say hello and, yeah, I'm going to say I appreciate uh, having Trace on the team, which is always nice. But, uh, yeah, I just go and believe me, there's 81 home games, Mike. I might go to like five or six. Oh, wow. I live down in Orange County. That's a 65-mile drive in L.A. traffic, so I ain't going up there <laughs> no more than five or six times. But all yeah. the games are on TV anymore, so I can stay right there on my, my comfortable man cave couch and watch the games on TV. <laughs> it's a good life, Michael. Last couple of things. The last time we had you on the show, you were kind enough to jump on, speaking of your family, we've talked a little bit about your sons, but your brother, Andy, had the idea for The Last Dance, and you came on with us to talk about what a big hit that was, and he had that idea way back in 97, and this was something I learned in reading about you today that I didn't know, that the subject, of course, of The Last Dance, the Bulls, but Michael himself, Michael Jordan, used to sign some homework papers, according to Andy, M-Y, C-H-A-L, because he idolized, Michael idolized you. 
I mean, and so Andy had a natural connection with the great Michael Jordan. Were you kind of aware of that when you first kind of became aware of Michael Jordan? No, I had not, I had not heard that story until Andy told me the story himself that Michael Jordan actually wanted to change his name legally to the way I call my name, but his mother would have none of that. His mother says, no, you don't. And she denied it. He was going to ask her if he could change his name legally to the way I spell it. Because obviously Michael Jordan wanted to be like me. Who wanted to be like Mike? Mike wanted to be like me. That's who. I'm not that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and uh, for, as for Andy, yeah, it was, it was his idea to come up with The Last Dance, one of the greatest sports documentaries ever. And a matter of fact, Andy also did the same thing for Kobe Bryant but it's in the can and it hasn't been released because of Kobe's tragic death. So Vanessa Bryant probably owns the rights to those, to that uh, footage. So I asked Andy, will that ever be released? He said, well, that's actually up to Vanessa Bryant. But, but the same thing as was done for Kobe towards the end of his career, I think the last year of his career, but because of his tragic death and his daughter, of course, and the other seven victims, um, I don't, we don't know if that'll ever be released. I guess in time, maybe Vanessa will allow it to be released. And now Andy's in the process of doing the same thing following LeBron James around. When LeBron retires, he's going to have the same type of documentary come out about him. That's excellent to hear. And the last thing where I started when we introduced you, I've seen you in some Twitter wars with fans. You feel, Michael, just considering everything, we've talked about Michael Jordan. I wonder about your thoughts on Wilt. But you feel, hands down, Kareem, your teammate, two championships with him, is the greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, and he's not getting enough love, in your opinion, for that. What, do you, what, what are your thoughts on that subject? Yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Will Chamberlain are two most disrespected, legendary sports figures in this country, in history. Uh, people listening to us right now would probably say Michael Jordan's the greatest ever. And you're not crazy. You're not wrong, maybe. People are now saying LeBron's the greatest once he passes Kareem here in the next week or two. People saying he's the greatest. And that, obviously those two guys are in a discussion. And obviously they have a legit argument to be uh, claimed the greatest ever. But for me, it's always been Kareem. People are prisoners of the moment. Sometimes people think the NBA started during the ESPN era, during the Chicago Bulls run. People forget that the NBA existed long before that. Great players came along before that. Kareem is a great – think about this. Kareem still, the greatest high school player we've ever seen, the greatest college player we've ever seen, and arguably the greatest pro player we've ever seen. Uh, imagine if Kareem had – a four-year head start, like LeBron and Kobe and all these other guys, even Michael Jordan, who left college a year ago. Kareem stayed in college for mm-hmm. thousand points. He probably would have 44, 45,000 points, mm-hmm. and LeBron wouldn't have a chance of catching him. That's an excellent point. Can't argue Had, with that. Hadn't, hadn't really thought about that aspect of it, but you've given it a lot of thought, as you always do with your excellent work, Michael. I, I enjoyed the days we worked together. Miss seeing you more often, but I always appreciate you making time for us back here. Thanks, Michael. Always great to talk to you guys. And uh, don't miss Oregon. I always will. Thanks a lot, Michael. Great talking to you. Michael Thompson, Laker radio analyst. I love him. Sweet spirit. I loved him Sweet when he was here. Spirit. I just forgot about him because he's, uh, I mean, can you imagine? Uh, today's my son's birthday, and he's out of state. and I can't, don't get to see him, hug him, and kiss him. But I am so proud of him and proud whenever thing, good things happen. Can you imagine having a Major League Baseball son and, and then an NBA All-Star son? And I don't know what Michael, his son, d- Michael does. Well, he played a little bit in the NBA, too. But, oh, mm-hmm. gosh. I know. I, my body wouldn't be able to take the amount of pride that, that would, would be there. He's raised his sons in a, uh, 
And they're all pretty humble, though. They all have a pretty good, um, I think, grounded approach because of Michael himself and Michael's wife, Julie, an outstanding athlete in her own right at Ridgefield High School and played volleyball for the Portland Pilots and then transferred to USF. But they met and married, I think, in 1987. I thought she was from Lake Oswego. Yeah, she eh, Ridge. She went to Ridgefield High School. Mm. Now she they, they may have lived then together in Lake Oswego yeah. for a while, but I don't think she went to. When LA. he was on the fan and doing stuff in Portland, he was either living in L.O. or yeah, in West Yeah, I think Lynn. He, I think he was in, in in that area. He was fun to listen to on Sports oh, yeah. Talk Radio. He He's a Kerm, funny guy. He and Kermit together. Their show oh, was yeah. excellent. Remember oh, those yeah. good days? Those were good shows. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I loved your show. I loved their show. Um, but he's a funny guy, and yeah. he always was. Sweet like I said, guy. yes. Yeah. And when even when he was a blazer, we we were young, and so if you approached him and stuff, there were some that were jerks, and, and Michael was great. I used to go to games occasionally in the Coliseum, and I would be sitting there sometimes, you know, mid-level area above the concourse. Yeah. But I'd say, look at Michael. Look at Michael. And he'd have his hand, you know, he'd have his hand whispering asides to teammates on the bench yeah. during during games when he wasn't playing and guys were laughing and cracking up. So he's offering commentary yeah. on what he's seen and get, and had his teammates and laughing I, like crazy. I thought, too, it was unfair because there was some disappointment. There was some mm. rumblings back then. This We're talking late 70s, early 80s, and it was unfair because he was the number one pick and he was in coming on the heels of Bill Walton right. and mm. that great run. They, he was only two or three years removed from that. He had a that. good run and a good He had a great career. run. Yeah. And the expectations I, were too yeah. high. Let's take a break. We'll come back in a quick segment and then visit with Yogi Roth. But let's take a quick break here on 1240 Joe Radio. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come, experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to MyPowerHonda.com. If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go be Hey everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon, the best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. They offer install and delivery on the product they sell like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. Uh, we have talked to uh, Michael about that before, but yes, there was a Michael. Michael's son Clay wanted to play in the Pac-12 and was getting very little interest, and yeah. ended up with only one offer, and it came from Tony Bennett in Washington State. Right, Clay, if he had his druthers, according to Michael, early on in that whole process, wanted to come here and play for Oregon State, and there was a, eh, we're not so sure. Yeah, we've got another player at that position. With you know, another right. guy on the other line with some. Yeah, for some white walls, right. to quote the great I, movie line, yeah. um, hard to 
hard to stomach that. But that he uh, wanted to come here and there was he, a sense yeah. of, eh, we're not so sure. Now there was, there was, it's a little hindsight, a little hindsight because yeah. he yeah. did go do extremely well, <clears throat> but it still, I uh, know, I know it's that, so that's big. one where you, you, you're probably a little bit like USC mm-hmm. when Mike Riley was saying, I really would like to offer Tom Brady. Well, we already got it. <laughs> yeah. But he was, he was average at Michigan though. I know he didn't splash or San Diego, Mike Riley. I'd like us to draft that quarterback, Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There may be a few folks who've said, yeah, we may have missed on that just as, okay. If we miss clay here at Oregon state, so did everybody else save one. Okay. Do you understand me and my thought process? When I say this unto you, Tom Brady has what six rings but but does that make the greatest of all time can you not be a really good quarterback on great teams that won six rings or can you be an amazing quarterback with amazing drop it like a dime and make great decisions and and be like a joe montana or a peyton manning or dan marino who many say was yes. the greatest you, yes. know, or El, you know elway had, did elway end up winning two two or Super Bowl 96 is on. Okay, let's take a break. We need to because Yogi's coming up. We'll talk to him about quarterbacking. Yeah. Not so much about the legacy of what we're just talking about. But, yeah, I do think now Bill Russell, Bill's name did not come up. Right. Right right there with Michael. He named usual suspects in a sense. Michael, LeBron, Wilt, Kareem. He didn't even mention Bill who won 11 of 13. or Or Larry. And Bill won 11 championships in 13 years. And was the greatest <laughs> And was the greatest defensive wilt. player ever. Yeah. So we break. We come back with Yogi on the Beavers and the schedule and DJ Uyunglele and more on 1240 Joe Radio. Ah, the RV life. Carefree living at its best. Find everything you need for worry-free RV living at Lassen RV Parts and Service. At Lassen RV, you can talk to experts who will see to it that you have the right solution for your RV. We carry everything right down to the special RV-approved two-ply toilet paper. Lassen RV and Lassen RV Parts and Service, where friends send their friends. Just east of I-5 on Highway 20 in Albany and at LassenRV.com. At family-owned and operated Lifetime Gutters, they have over 20 years of experience in providing exceptional gutter services to a wide range of commercial and residential properties in the Willamette Valley, including gutter installation, cleaning, maintenance, and moss treatment. At Lifetime Gutters, they set the standard in guaranteed quality craftsmanship and back it with a lifetime warranty. To learn more or request a quote, contact Lifetime Gutters today at 541-360-0145 or visit their website at lifetime-gutters.com. Have you seen Highland Bowl's expanded Strike Zone Lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks, too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games, too. Highland Bowl. It isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded Strike Zone Lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up. You knock them down. If you have a tenant who has missed a rent payment, have an unmet maintenance need, or need to address a rule violation, don't wait. Mediate. 
If you know you won't be able to make your rent this month, don't wait. Mediate. Hi, this is Jared from Neighbor to Neighbor. We offer free mediation services to both landlords and tenants. The court process can be complicated, time-intensive, and expensive, but it doesn't have to be. If you need some assistance in communicating with your landlord or tenant, email me at weren2n at gmail.com. That's weren, the number 2n at gmail.com. Don't wait. Mediate. Not even quite sure where to begin with our next guest. There's always so much rich in content that he pushes out on a regular basis. And yeah. we encourage you to follow Yogi in all of his ventures and pursuits. But I will start closer, close to home with the release last week of the schedule. Ashley Adamson and Yogi hosting the schedule release show on the Pac-12 Network. And in the end, in the end, Ashley says to our next guest, you know, well, what schools and based on what you see the schedule looking like, Yogi, do you think have a chance maybe to 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 run the table in the schedule or have a yeah, that was the nature of the question. And Yogi mentioned Washington first and then said and Oregon State. And I just I paused that. Did he just did he just say what I think? Yeah, <laughs> I heard him say it correctly. Such is the world we're living in. Who knows what's going to unfold in the fall? But Yogi Roth joins us on the Joe Beaver show. Yogi, that answer you gave to Ashley, and then you mentioned Utah and USC and Oregon also, but you started with the Huskies and the Beavers, and that made all of us around here feel pretty good, Yogi, I take it. Thanks for joining us, that you're pretty high in what Jonathan Smith and the Beavers did and what they have coming back. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Number one, Happy New Year. Thank I'm happy you. to talk to you guys again. Uh, I'd say this, um, you know, at the Pac-12 Networks, you don't every week get the best game. So you get to see a lot of the builds, right? So if I go back to 2018, I was in Corvallis a lot. Wasn't in Corvallis a lot the last two years, right? And I, I say that because I saw when the point differential was negative 235 in 2018 and then saw negative 16 in 2019. And then, you know, nobody saw much of anything in 2020, but when you get to the last two years, it's plus 71, plus 132, meaning they're beating teams by a larger margin and a larger margin and a larger margin, they're not losing. And I just felt like in my gut, um, it needed to be said on the schedule show. It needed to be said on social media. It needed to be said around the country that this is a team that didn't stumble into double-digit wins. This is a team that built it. This is a team that went and you know got 40 new players on their roster before last season. Like this is a team that the DNA is really ingrained within the fabric of each one of the athletes competing for Jonathan Smith. And I'd say the same thing for the staff. When you see the minimal turnover, the least amount of turnover on any staff in the Pac-12 over the last six years. And I, I just think it's notable, and I think it's fair that they be talked about that way. And then when you look at the schedule, to, to Ashley's question, it's, it's accurate. You know, you, you look at it and you confidence everybody else, the non-conference schedule is not what Utah has. They're not playing Florida. They're not playing Baylor. And they're not playing, playing pushovers. Then Brian will have the team ready, and Dan Hawkins will have the team ready, and San Diego State will be ready. Uh, but I think how it lays out, who their misses are in USC and ASU, where their big games are with Utah at home, UCLA at home, Washington at home, and then Oregon, you know, we know what that is you know, every year. It's just going to be an amazing game regardless of locale they got a chance yogi roth our guest yogi you mentioned 2018 you have said on this show and on the record i think i've heard you say it in other contexts 
that you felt like just in terms of the 12 teams and one side of the football that needed the biggest overhaul and rebuild was the Oregon State defense that Jonathan went about trying to rebuild and put in just get back to being competitive. You said that was the toughest overall challenging rebuild you'd seen in your time at the Pac-12 networks. If if you own that and say, yeah, that's what I thought, what do you make of what Trent Bray and his staff and players have accomplished? It's 100% what I thought. I mean, when I saw, I would say like 2011 Colorado, they weren't even in the Pac-12 when John Embry was there. And I think Colorado last year, them and, and that first year at Oregon State with Jonathan, they were three teams that struggled the most that my eyes have ever seen as a broadcaster for almost 20 years now. Uh, and when I looked at that defense when he got there, I can remember you know, talking to him and the staff about it. I mean, you, know, you just watch the games and you study the film and you know your eyes showed you what was there, which is struggle tackling, uh, technically, you know, we're, we're, we're building with the new staff. And they didn't have the players compared to the players they were competing against. Like it, it was just they were playing, how many freshmen they played on the defensive line that year. You know, it was just they, they didn't have much of a chance. And I think you, you look at that, and I go back to even my notes of calling games those early years, and it was like they knew they had to score, and they knew they had to keep the opponents off the top of the field because they knew the reality of the defense and the caliber of the opponent. And I think when you look at a, like the, the slow build and the, the development of the players. Like, I think you still have to give the entirety of the defensive staff, even when Tim Tibbisaw was there, some credit of like guys who were within the program, right? They were getting better every year. And then I think when they made the flip over to Trent Brady, the point, the scheme just fit the personality a lot better. You know, the scheme fit what I played against in the inside.com bowl back in the early 2000s. It fit what Oregon State was and Jonathan played. When Nigel Burton coached, it was in your face. It was physical. Um, it wasn't uh, simple in terms of, like, the guys can't handle it, but it was like, we're going to play fast. We're going to play violent. Uh, we're going to play through the whistle. And, and you're going to feel us. And you're going to have to beat us. Uh, and I think that's an incredible way to go with what the DNA traits are of Oregon State football and its history. Also, how they recruit and what they recruit to. So, if you talk about the secondary, are you going to come play corner here? You're going to have to play some that coverage. You're going to be put on an island. We're going to count on you to be able to lock dudes down and be physical and put your you know, face in there on the run game a little bit. And, and I love that as an attitude for this team because it's a chip on the shoulder program. Right? They're, they're, they're not going to go get every five star in America. Um, this is not. You're going to have to come and want to go there and be a part of it. And, and go kick people's butts. You know, that's just kind of the, the way that I, I have always seen that program. Even when I played at Pitt and, and we were looking across the country to play, and I was like, whew, you guys are nasty. You're physical. Like, you better bring your lunch pail today. And I think that Trent Bray's personality is perfect for that. Obviously, he, he knows it on so many different levels as an athlete, as a young coach, and now as a guy running the side of the ball, getting a much deserved, deserved extension. Uh, he's, he's got this team poised, and I imagine he's got as big of a chip as ever this offseason. And then, you know, winter workouts and spring ball, et cetera, and the defense will be challenged. And I thought throughout the course of the season, I'll finish up, that they were the best defense in the league, top to bottom from game one. I thought Utah finished that way at the end of the season. Uh, they had to grow from week one to the end of the season, but I thought overall, and most coaches I talked to would agree, that Oregon State 
uh, was the most complete defense throughout the season. The Pac-12's Yogi Roth joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. John Warren with Mike Parker. We, we're going to want to get into uh, the latest addition to Oregon State's uh, quarterback room. But leading up to that, just a general question for you, Yogi, and in, in dealing with and having this show every day in college football, the transfer portal and NIL, either separate or combined, are so new, and it's it's such a you know, Wild Wild West is true, but it's now cliche. What are your overall thoughts about it? And is it something we should be concerned about in moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think philosophically, I'm a huge fan of both. Uh, I'm a huge fan of athletes being able to make money off their name, image, and likeness and have a summer camp or sign autographs or sign their jersey or make money off jersey sales, like the premise of why it was created. And the transfer portal, uh, I've always been a fan of being able to do it once. Um, I think that, you know, the, the inefficiency of like, let's just take JT Daniels transferred from USC to Georgia and Cam Rising transferred from Texas to Utah. One was immediately eligible. One had to sit out like that part of the, of what was going on in the underbelly of college athletics and the NCAA was just inappropriate in my opinion. You know, some guys are getting waivers, some guys weren't. So they just cut out all that and said, okay, you can, you can transfer one time, go ahead and go do it. So I'm, I'm okay with both of those philosophically. I think what I have a problem with is it's probably what everybody has a problem with. And, and when I haven't heard a coach say that it's okay that schools can entice players or collectives can entice players with money, especially players that haven't played. Like I look at Jaden Rashada, who he was a noteworthy quarterback in Northern California who signed at Florida for reportedly, you know, double digits in the millions and just asked to get released from that based on a collective's uh, inefficiencies and ability to produce those funds. Like, who knows really what happened? But when you look at, like, the letter of the law around NIL, like the head coach, right, whether it's Billy Napier or Jonathan Smith, you're not supposed to be involved in any NIL deals. You can say, hey, somebody from my collective is going to call you. Uh, you'll get a call from them, and they'll present to you what somebody like your status and your recruiting and ability would likely possibly make it a school like ours, like, but they can't have any direct contact or conversation. And I just think that like, we're just asking for rules to be broken, to be bent for staff to live in the gray area. And then unfortunately we're seeing athletes have to pay the price, whether it's Jaden Rashada now, you got to figure out recruiting and he's going to be labeled as a $13 million quarterback who never got his money. And that's not fair to him. You know, I, just wrote a, I just wrote a book about quarterbacks being labeled by other people. And I heard from over 50 guys where they talked about the impact it had on them psychologically throughout the rest of their lives and the people telling them who and what they're supposed to be. So I think NIL is, is major things that needs to be cleaned up in that regard. And I said the transfer portal too. I mean, I talked to enough players in this league and around the country that they know where they're going before they enter the portal. Well, yeah. it doesn't happen by accident. Yeah. You, know, you just can, If you really track social media, you can be like, oh, wow. This staff just followed a player on this <laughs> roster, but he's not in the portal yet. I wonder what's going on. So it's messy. Uh, NCAA is messy. I'm really happy to know that Pat Sean at Washington State and others are on the board that are trying to clean it up because we need to, because you're right. Like college athletics is outside of the game is becoming a sport that is going to be unrecognizable in two or three years. <laughs> it kind of is now compared to what it was five years ago. 
A few more minutes with Yogi Roth offering, as always, his great insight. And he mentioned a book, Five Star Quarterback. It's not about the stars. It's about the journey that he authored with a forward by Pete Carroll. And so you've lived in this space, in this realm, where people do get identified and labeled. And that leads us into our guy that John alluded to in DJ Uyunglele, leaving Clemson, entering the portal, and ending up at Oregon State. There's a lot of ways, perhaps, Yogi, to sort of unpack that story in itself. But what are your thoughts about DJ, a five-star guy, when he left St. John Bosco in Bellflower to go to Clemson? What are your thoughts about this young man? I'm really excited for him. I, I think, again, like you go back to the recruiting world, and, and I see it every year at Elite 11. He didn't come to the finals the year we had it, so I never got to spend a lot of intimate time with him like we do with the rest of the top prospects. Uh, but I think when you look at history of guys leaving the footprint, they call it their, their home footprint, excuse me, especially on the West Coast, to other parts of the country, it doesn't always work out. Right? Like C.J. Stroud obviously did, Bryce Young did. But if you look at the kind of the history of it, like Jacob Eason didn't work out, ended up coming back. JT Daniels didn't work out. He's on his short school. You can kind of look at history and be like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really work when you take off. And I say that for him is that when he went to Clemson, you know, A, he was replacing a legend, uh, a player, Trevor Lawrence, that every high school player thinks he is. But as we know, everyone is not. And everyone will not be able to lead a team to a national championship as a freshman, let alone start as a freshman, let alone just have a 3.0 as a freshman. I mean, these are all new, hard things. And I think they get masked by recruiting and recruiting rankings and now, of course, money associated with those human beings. And I think for DJ, I'd imagine when he was there, it was, hey, you've got to live up to this. You're going to be the next Trevor. And what I love about him coming to Oregon State is that, he does not have to be the guy to carry everything. That's not how this system is set up. That is other teams, even in our league, where if you were that quarterback and you transferred in, you'd have to carry it. I look right down the street where I live in L.A. Caden Williams carried USC. He, and it carried him to the Heisman and one of the greats of all time. I think he'll be recognized as a college football when it's all said and done. Definitely in my era. In our era, just an elite player. I don't think DJ has to be that guy. And I think the tools around him are different for offensive linemen coming back. Arguably the best running back on the West Coast, one of the best in the country coming back. You've got a defense that, that we already talked about that will replace some players that I expect them to take another step. Uh, so for DJ, he comes into a system that has already been built. And, oh, by the way, it's a pro-style system. Uh, so I think he's going to come in and flourish. And I love that he doesn't have to put the – at least I hope he doesn't feel – that he is to put the weight of the world on his shoulders like I'd imagine happened when he went to Clemson. And then especially had a great game against Notre Dame as a true freshman, and all of a sudden the expectations, everybody's believing him, maybe he's believing him, and, and it got hard. And he seemingly got picked apart every single snap because they brought in Kate Clubman, who was at Elite 11, is a hell of a player. Uh, I just think at Oregon State, it's, it's going to be a different environment, and what I hope he gets to do is play free, live free, have fun, and and play the game that, that he's often and, and seemingly always enjoyed. And hopefully his wonderment for the craft is, is dramatically flipped back on if it was turned off based on everything he went through with Clemson. Yogi, it seems, too, that even Dabo, in talking about him, said you know, prior to their bowl game of him enter, entering the portal, he said he's 
One of the greatest kids has ever come through Clemson, according to Dabo himself. A great ambassador for Clemson, a Clemson graduate already. So it sounds as though he's not coming in with a sense of entitlement. You know, the the big guy coming in now is going to be the big man on campus. And you know what I'm saying, Yogi? It sounds like that inner half, the intangibles are really, he sounds like a quality young man. Well, I think, I'd agree. Everything I've ever been told about him is reflective of that. Um, Also, Jonathan Smith can get a lot of players, I think, to come to Oregon State. Uh, but you got to get the right guys, and this program is in that place now, especially that position. I mean, we're bringing back a returning starter in Ben Branson, who is 7-1. and one. I get why DJ went there. He didn't go there to sit. Uh, but it's not going to be handed to him. you know. And it's got to be a healthy environment. And I believe this. If you bring in the wrong personality at that position in the transfer portal, um, and a player who has dramatic accolades and expectations, if they walk in and, and they're living an external reality that is different than what goes on in between the walls and in that practice facility, then you're just asking for problems. And, and I think this program, every time I've talked to Jonathan, he talks about how healthy it is, how healthy the culture and the mindset, the work ethic is of this team in the greatest team sport. So I, I'm sure... I'd imagine DJ and his family saw that on their visit and said, okay, this is a, a healthy fit for us. Playing a pro-style offense, don't have to carry the team. I don't have to be anybody that I'm not. Okay, let's ride. And and that's why I think, and I've always thought over the last two years of this transfer portal world that Oregon State was an impeccable landing spot for a variety of quarterbacks that have entered the portal. Speaking- and most of the guys that I talked to at that position happened to agree. Speaking of the variety of quarterbacks in this conference, Yogi, you, you have, I mean, what are we looking at in the Pac-12 next year in terms of the variety and depth and talent of the quarterback position in the league? Well, you could probably answer a little bit better than me because you've been in this league longer than I have, but in my 20 years, it's the best I've ever seen. The best collective of talent, a collection of talent across the board at all positions. I think it's the best collection of coaches. When you have, you just look at the mix of it, proven, uh, up and comers, uh, coaches like Kai Whitting who've been there for such a long time. And then you add in the quarterback thing and it's not even close. You know, I said it before last season and got, got a lot of heat on it. And, and you didn't mind it. Or I, I referenced the media days. I felt like our top six quarterbacks in whatever order you want to put them in were better than any other power five leagues top six quarterbacks. I know what Bryce Young was, and CJ Stroud, and I know all these guys. Like, they're great dudes. But I felt like the pack last year, it wasn't close. And now, coming into this year, I don't think anybody from the South to the East to the Midwest would even disagree with that sentiment of this league from Caleb Williams to Michael Penix Jr. to Bo Nix to Cam Rising. Just, I'm talking and Jane DeLore, like and Cameron Ward, the proven guys. If you just put them on your list, it's pretty strong. Then you add in, to your point, DJ. You add in Shador Sanders. You add in uh, the transfer that Cal just got. You add in the transfers that Arizona State has in that quarterback room. I mean, they've got two, four, five-star quarterbacks in that room. We'll see who ends up being the guy. UCLA, they have more quarterback in America, or at least one of the top two, depending on what service you want to look at, and Dante Moore. And a starting quarterback from Kent State, and have Ethan Garbers, who was a four or five star recruit out of high school. Like I think that it's not even close. 
and you can kind of roll the dice and be like, oh, we know who our top four are. The next two, we could be rotating all season long <laughs> if you want to look at the top six. So you, you could argue legitimately top eight quarterbacks in this league would roll any other league <laughs> top eight quarterbacks. Yogi, there's so many things we didn't get to, including the Dion factor of Colorado. Yeah. Maybe just a quick thought from you before we close on that. If you did, we got about a minute, but what do you make of that as a hire? And what what is your expectation for the impact of that hire in this league? I'm here for it all. I love it. I, I watch it all. I'm fully engrossed in all of Coach Prime content. I think it's great for the league, especially in a meteorite deal. I mean, it's incredible for Colorado bringing the attention to it program that's had one winning season in the last 15. Uh, and I think he's going to turn it around. And I think it's appropriate when you look at the or the, the growth in the playoff next year, uh, the attention the program has this year. Uh, but as, in terms of his team, I have no idea. I don't know what these players look like. I cannot wait to go get there and watch them because there's so many new faces. I mean, more than 50% of that roster is totally flipped. And I'd imagine most of them will be in the 2D. Yogi, thank you for making time for us in your busy life. It is a pleasure to talk to you always. Look forward to doing it again down the road. Thanks for making time for us. Always, sir. Have a great signing day next week. Yeah, we're looking for Petros is coming up to, to MC it for us next mm-hmm. week, which is pretty cool, too. So that. we're going to have sure. a good time. Thanks, Yogi. Really appreciate it. Yogi Roth, our guest. Petros is indeed coming, and we'll get him on early next week Yeah, on the Joe Beaver Show. And talk to him a little bit more about the big question, too, with TJ coming back, which we'll talk about with TJ and whom I saw this morning covering. There's a lot of Oregon State stuff going on today, and TJ was there to cover it. We'll be back to talk about it to wrap up the show today next. 1240 Joe Radio. Weddings, anniversaries, holiday parties, corporate events, large or small, make them spectacular with Forks and Corks Catering. From delicious bites to signature cocktails, they'll ensure an experience that is a delight for you and your guests. With their fresh cuisine, artful presentation, and polished service, Forks and Corks always creates a spectacular symphony of sensory delight. View their menu and list of venues online. Forks and Corks Catering, events designed to delight. Catering to the Willamette Valley since 2011. Have you been putting off that home remodeling project? Have you decided that this is the year to get it done? For nearly 35 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, window coverings, and wood and luxury vinyl flooring from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or at CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. Kubota LX Series tractors are the number one rated tractor brand for durability and owner experience in the United States and are the answer to having quality, comfort, and versatility. Kubota LX Series tractors are four-wheel drive and come with easy-to-operate three-range hydrostatic transmission. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for more information. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come, experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to MyPowerHonda.com. 
www.thepatriotsocialfund.com. If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go Beavs! Hey everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon. The best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. They offer install and delivery on the product they sell like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. Okay. I, I mispronounced it. Okay. Well, I, I missed it. I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm, Dwight Dwight mentioned once that somebody from a national level who was introducing Bill at some event or whatever, and Sean Lee and Dwight and others were sitting there, and the MC says, and now here he is, the great Bill Sean Lee, beloved in the Pacific Northwest as the Schnoz. Welcome. <laughs> Bill Shonley. <laughs> Everybody's laughing. Bill's getting up, kind of shaking his head. And hey, there's the schnoz coming oh, up. Oh, no. Which would be, of course, Jimmy Durante. But anyhow. Wow. <laughs> Poor guy. TJ is back. Open up his microphone for a second. And I mentioned busyness at Oregon State. I ran into a reporter from KVAL this morning who will join us because she is a modern-day George Plimpton. You know who George Plimpton is, TJ? No, he shakes what, what his head. What did she do? Erin Salindi has wrestled. She's done gymnastics, trying to do events. She's going to with the team, team, hoping to step in and take BP at some point and chronicle her efforts trying to do that. She was a volleyball player at West Virginia for four years, so she's an athlete. Does she know Aaron who Solindi. George Plimpton is? No, she didn't know who George Plimpton was either, but I said, you're a modern-day George Lion. Plimpton, and she gave me the, oh, really? Okay, <laughs> how, was, paper yeah, how was baseball Base, uh, media today? Baseball was good. Uh, I wanted to get a little more about the pitching staff. Mitch, of course, vague, but that's <laughs> as expected. One thing I was able to take away, though, noted guys are very motivated from that game three loss to Auburn. Garrett Forster says he has a picture of the dog pile from Auburn in his locker, and he stares at it every day. Every day to motivate him. Love to see that. Love <laughs> Shades to of that. 2012 when the yeah. guys were just hanging their heads in Baton Rouge after losing the game down there and not going to That's the right. soup, and they just said, hey, 13, next year back. we're going to be home, and we're going we're gonna to make it, and they did. We'll see you tomorrow. K-E-J-O Corvallis. And translator, K-229-D-I Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.